0: sean weiss
1: all right hey everybody welcome to this episode of the compliance guy as always thank you so much for tuning in logging on and just hanging out with me for a little while today is tuesday the 25th of july in 2023 and that means it's a hashtag terry tuesday episode we were off last week well we weren't off we just couldn't record because of me. Uh, I was in a federal trial on Monday and Tuesday in London, Kentucky, and um, outstanding results for our client for acquittal at trial. But I'll save that for a daily dose episode. Uh, with it being a Tuesday, that means it's a hashtag Terry Tuesday episode, and I get to welcome my very good friend Terry Fletcher to the episode. Congratulations on uh, your nomination for uh, Best Female Hosted Podcast. Very Thank nice. You. Thank
2: you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good we, deal. we also got one for the NSCHBC for Best Business Podcast. So two of the ones that I'm hosting nice. seem to do it. So I'm pretty excited about that.
1: Well, very good. Congratulations. I got some word from Stacy or Lori that there was something, but I haven't talked to them yet. So I don't know what's going on. Anyways, with that said, with that said, I know we have an interesting conversation today. I don't know that it's going to take a whole heck of a lot of time, but I think it's a good, um, it's a very good discussion because I just had to deal with one of these myself when I returned from trial, uh, last Wednesday. So I will let you have the floor and then I will jump in where it's appropriate.
2: Yeah. So I wanted to talk today kind of a little bit about, since we're, again, we're talking about compliance and I've noticed that the government has increased their audit as far audits, I should say, plural, and trying to find some money to claw back. And so they're, they're looking at everything. And one of the low hanging fruit, as you like to refer to it as are pre-op visits. And I don't think anyone really talks about that enough. And I think for our listeners, this is important because there seems to be a, let's just say a um, not just a misperception but a confusion in terms. There's something called a preoperative visit. There's something called an H and P. There's something called a pre-op clearance, and so forth. So, and then there's also some you know timeline issues, and there's some ethical issues too. Not just best practices, but we have to kind of talk about when can you bill for these services. You know, is is it billable at all? And I'm starting to see practices that have actually started opening pre-op uh, clinic days. And then they're saying, oh, I bring them back in just to do education and hand them all their forms. And first of all, let's let's get into this. So when you have a 90-day surgery, that surgery includes, that RVU, includes something called pre-op, post-op, and the actual surgery itself. Now, the breakdown is about 10%, 80%. 10% or somewhere around there, maybe 10%, 70%, 20%. We're, we're not sure where they are, actually are, but when you look at the codes, you can kind of see the RVU breakout, which means that this discussion that you may have with the patient as far as what to expect, uh, what could happen, um, you know, where they turn for the visit that basically just explains you know, they might need home health, that is not a billable service that's something that is included in the rvu now let me quote you where i get that because a lot of people think oh this is just medicare no 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 medicare is the one that likes to do the audits so cpt assistant in may of 2009 they answered the question specifically and this is a quote from their newsletter it said if the surgeon sees a patient and makes a decision for surgery and then the patient returns for a visit where the intent of the visit is a preoperative and hmp And this service occurs in the interval between the decision-making visit and the day of surgery, regardless of if the visit occurs one, three days, or two weeks. The visit is not separately billable as it 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 is included in the surgical package. So I had to find that because I know Medicare is weird on it. They they say one thing, but they always bring it back to, you know, what you and I, Sean, constantly talk about medical necessity. But there's a lot of falsehood out there. There's a lot of... um, misperceptions about there so let's just do a true or false here you know uh, and I'll then I'll send it over to you you know some things I hear is a PCP cannot be paid to do a pre-op assessment of a Medicare patient prior to surgery well that's not true <laughs> that's false because if the surgeon is requesting a pre-op to clear a patient it usually means for example the patient's going to have hip surgery let's say and maybe they've got some congestive heart failure or they're on Coumadin or they're, they're need, they need to have a medical visit, not a surgical visit, to make an adjustment or, to, or assess the risk on that patient for clearance. They're going to make another decision. The decision was already made that the surgery is needed, but now they're going to make a decision. Can the patient have the surgery based on their clinical profile? That's a clearance. Those are billable. Absolutely. Because technically they're not related to the surgery. They're related probably to the anesthesia and then what about that you know surgical pre-op where the surgeon brings them back in well there this is where you get in those gray weird areas because if the surgeon tries to bill for an office visit again in between those times for the per for the purpose of a pre-op hmp after you already made the decision for surgery and the surgery is scheduled why why would they bill for that so there i mean it it's to go over paperwork again it's to let them know that oh, by the way, you're going to need home health. Well, or to discuss the possible outcomes of those of the surgery. The patients were already told that before the surgery was scheduled. I would hope no no patient would want to schedule a surgery without a doctor going. This is what it's going to do to you know the language in uh, Social Security Act to cure, relieve the problem. And Sean, I'll let you expand on that. But it just seems like everybody thinks it's a kind of a, a billable service no matter what, and I'm starting to see more practices engage in billing it when it is an incidental service or it is an administrative service. Coming in to fill out paperwork, you can't bill for that. Coming in to fill off off work slips, no, you can charge a patient a cash price if that's what you do. But as far as billing an insurance company for that, that's inappropriate. Um, Now, let me just, before I send it over to you, there's a little bit of a caveat and this was during pandemic a lot of patients were brought in to determine if they needed a covid vaccine before they could have surgery because that was the that was the hospital policy well folks the hot, the um, phg's over there those you know mandates or whatever those are no longer there if it's an internal policy with the hospital take it up with the hospital but that's not a billable service anymore as far as being able to to do that so even though in your doctor's mind, some of these may be considered, I'm air quoting medically necessary. Medically necessary means that there's still an overall risk on the patient where you have to have an encounter to address the risk. And if you've already done that, determining the need for surgery, this is an incidental administrative now visit and not billable. Sean, I'll send it to you.
1: Yeah, so (laughs) obviously I think One of the most important things that a practice can do is to uh, create a policy on um, what is and is not billable as a preoperative evaluation or preoperative clearance, right? Um, Always having policies and procedures is a good idea because it provides clarity to not only your staff, which hopefully you're sharing these policies that you write with your staff, because I've had some practices that are like, oh, we actually have a, pro- we have a policy on that. I've never seen it. And I've talked to the compliance officer or the compliance consultant to wrote the policy. And i like, did you ever bother to send this out to the staff? And they're like, oh no, we have a repository and we just put it there. <laughs> well, I mean,
2: okay. <laughs> Well, and on these visits, I you're, see a lot of a lot of people saying, well, it's past the, the two days, like it says in CPT. And I'm like, well, yeah, you, you have to be careful with that because now you're manipulating the timeline so that you can get paid for right. something. No, no, no. That's right. No.
1: That's right. But and people don't realize, people don't realize that a lot of times, especially if, if there's, it, it, through the data analytics, right, they know times, dates, frequencies. Yeah, they know what you're doing. They know what you're doing before you know what you're doing. And what I try to explain to folks is they know that when a policy is written and it says, you know, not to be billed within 48 hours, they will look to see if a service was billed at that 48 hour mark or how close to that 48 hour mark, because they will know. That you are, to use your word, manipulating, but to use the government's word, conspiring oh, right, to right. commit fraud, right? right? So, and your term is your term is a perfectly good term. It's a perfectly accept- acceptable term because they are manipulating guidelines to their benefit. So, you know, last week, um, Wednesday... Uh, when I, so I returned Tuesday from trial. Um, Terry, I think knows this. I've been struggling. I, I injured my back, um, about 15 weeks ago and I've had, I have a history of, you know, I've had back surgery dating back to 1999 and 2001. And, you know, I've struggled periodically, nothing to the point where I ever had to go see a doctor. Um, you know, I could, go see a buddy at an urgent care and I can get some, you know, um trigger point injections and that would, you know, usually calm things down but about 15 weeks ago um I did something and really injured my back and um you know to the point where you know I was having numbness in my big toe, you know, burning down the back of my leg, pain in my thigh, you know, all this great wonderful stuff that just makes you so happy. To wake up every morning and uh went and saw the spine doctor and you know, sent me for an MRI and then made a determination that, yeah, you got some bulging discs and you're bone on bone at L5S1. But, you know, um, I don't see anything that says, hey, let's go to surgery. So why don't we go ahead and do some ESI and we'll do facet injections as well. And I said, all right. And, you know, they scheduled me for the procedure, um, a week later, uh, which was when I came back from Kentucky and, um, but I, I was told that I had to come in to be evaluated by the surgery center nurse. And that when I was there, you know, she was filling in a billing slip. And, you know, now remember, this is, this was a nurse and she puts down like nine, nine, two, one, two. I thought to myself, don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do it. Don't don't do it. (laughs) You're coming back here. And if you want them to give you the good stuff to relax you, so you're not squirming around on the table, keep your mouth shut. And, you know, and, and I did because I could hear my wife whispering into my ear, don't do it. And we can't help um, ourselves.
2: It's the business. We're I, know. In.
1: I know. And, and I just sat there and I looked at her and, and she asked me another question and I said, Hey, can I just ask you a quick question? Um, are, are you billing that to my insurance company? You know, uh, this visit, she goes, Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, this isn't a value. This is, she didn't know what I did. She goes, "This is what we call an evaluation and management service, or oh, a God. pre-op." Yeah, a pre-op visit. I said, "Oh no! Oh,
2: you, you got some mansplaining said, by a girl."
1: <laughs> oh, I know. I said, and, and she—it was just so—it was just so like talking down to me, like,
2: "Oh man, you know, talk about condescending. Oh, you? No. Oh
1: yeah, you poor, stupid, uneducated. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah and i i said to her oh i said so you're talking about an e and m service that's based on history exam and medical decision making or time and she goes what oh said,
2: oh yeah. yeah
1: i said you probably don't want to bill this to my insurance company because this isn't really a pre-op visit she goes yes it is and i says no it's not ma'am this is an informed consent visit I am literally consenting to the procedure being performed. I have not seen a doctor. She goes, oh, you don't have to see a doctor. I said, okay. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow and having my procedure. Good luck to you. (laughs) And that was the end of it. I just, I was like, I am not going down this road, but let me tell you what, what, pardon my English. Let me tell you what pissed me off more than anything. United Healthcare. Can I just thrash United Healthcare for a minute?
2: Well, they're a client of mine, so maybe not too much. <laughs> okay. I trained. Well, this you know, this
1: I has care. nothing to do. So let's give a disclaimer. Okay. okay. Anything that Sean Weiss says should not have any bearing on Terry Fletcher whatsoever. Unless okay. Thank Terry you. Fletcher opens her, unless <laughs> Terry Fletcher opens her mouth and disparages. United Healthcare.
2: Yeah, and I would. Not. I am doing this
1: as a consumer. Okay. Okay. Think okay. about this, folks. Okay. This is how bad. This is how crappy our healthcare system is, and it is a problem. And I've been talking about this not just because I'm a patient getting railroaded, but because m- the majority of patients are getting railroaded by these commercial insurance companies. Okay. One, I've got multiple stents in my heart, so I am on Brilinta, which is a blood thinner. And I'm also on an aspirin regimen every single day for my advanced atherosclerosis. In order for me to have ESI or facet injections or really any kind of non-emergent procedure, I have to be off of my medication for five days, okay? Now, my complaints were bilateral back pain in the lumbar region and the SI joints. United Healthcare has a policy that says, we will only pay for one side at a time." So think about this: They now will have to pay for two ambulatory surgical center visits, two anesthesias, right? They'll have to pay a 100 percent for the second side because they didn't allow it at the same time to where it was bilateral, and they only had to pay 150 percent. 4, I now have to come off of my medication which is very important. 2 times in a 30 day period, which is not good. And 5, I have to make multiple trips which is 45 minutes each way to the surgery center. So 5 complete inconveniences and or risks to my health and Advanced costs or higher costs to the insurance company because they have morons making decisions on how to pay claims. Not right. And I called UHC. I spoke to three care coordinators, explained it to them, asking me to come up. And they're like, and it was so funny because they're like, oh, this is your this is your doctor's fault. And I said, No, it's not. She goes, Yes, it is. All they had to do was a pre-authorization to ask for bilateral. I said, ma'am, I am holding UHC medical coverage policy XYZ in my hand right now that I independently found because this is what I do for a living. And it says, we will only pay for one side at a time to determine the medical necessity and effectiveness of allowing the other side to be performed. This is not my doctor's fault. Even if my doctor would have requested bilateral, Y'all would have denied it and only allowed the unilateral side. So please don't lie to me like I'm some uneducated consumer. Now, it didn't get me anywhere.
2: Yeah. Go well, we're getting off topic again. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's go back to our topic here. So the but one, that I is one, our topic, Terry. But that is our topic. Oh, preops. But the one thing that I think that we need to make sure that our listeners realize, now, there are services that we think are important, medically necessary and important are different things, especially from a payer perspective. So, for example, if your doctor wants to bring you in for those, and I like how you put it, Sean, those, you know, informed consent visits, basically to go over the paperwork, to remind you of the surgery, answer any questions you have, that's fine. But as far as a billable medically necessary service, that's not. So is it good for business? Is it good for surveys? Is it good for possibly, you know, quality payment perspectives, your QPP, your PQRs, all that? Yeah. But is it something that's a billable service? Not necessarily. And the other thing you have to keep in mind too, is that it, you have to balance that. There are going to be patients, definitely, that are going to need to have a pre-op. But if it's with the surgeon, you're going to have even more of a hurdle to figure out why, because surgeons don't listen to the lungs. They're not concerned with your you know um reaction to anesthesia they send those over to the primary care doctor the cardiologist the pulmonologist and so they are the ones that now get the medical necessity where we're having a problem is that sometimes some surgical offices have a uh, routine standard of care where they send everybody to a primary care to get cleared and if you've got an otherwise healthy patient that's coming in with no history of anything That's a problem. You're gonna have a a tough time saying, oh yeah, they're cleared. Well, of course they're cleared. They're healthy. They're getting a routine gallbladder. They don't have, you know, they're not on really any high-risk medication. And why do they have to go there? Just because the doctor for preventative? You know, any kind of screening pre-op, there's no code for that. They're screening services, preventative services, anything like that prior to a surgery, Medicare, and the third and the third party payers are clear. They do not pay for that. So you have to really kind of take a step back. And in my opinion, you need to have a policy on this. You need to have a compliance policy. You need to make sure that you have a plan and that everyone, it is shared with everyone in uh, your practice, not just the providers, the back office, the front office staff, but also your coders and billers. They need to know what they're up against if there's, you know, any cause for billing. And also think about this. We are in a crazy time right now with physician burnout with um, impacted schedules and if, if there's something that can be done that is not something you're going to bill out where you don't have to bring the patient in you might want to consider that and have you know a staff meeting and say look these aren't billable anyway why are we impacting our schedule so if it's unrelated to the surgery unrelated to the procedure or it's something that you need to sub out to primary care because of the patient's history or current profile, then that's a billable service. But if it's something that is incidental or paperwork or just answering questions that you're getting paid for, it. we're not saying you're not getting paid for it. We're saying it's part of the RV or the value for the global surgical procedure already. So you really need to be cautioned about that and, and make sure that you're, you know, you're not overcoding. And the last thing I'll say on this, and I'll send it over to you, Sean, one thing that comes up quite a bit is pre-ops for uh or pre-op visit for a um, screening colonoscopy so aga has a Uh. position on this yeah they're like no (laughs) if you're an otherwise healthy patient where why would we give you something that first of all remember the the guidelines for e m problems addressed well a screening means there's no complaints there's no problem there's no nothing so there is no visit and people are like well we bring them in and just build the lowest level (laughs) But you're, it's still an E&M. You still have to have a complaint um, or a problem. No. Yeah. And then the next thing, how about this? I'm sure you see this all the time. They're like, well, our doctor doesn't see them. Our PA does. And I'm like, so basically <laughs> you just discounted <laughs> that yeah. uh, medical clinician that actually can bill directly to a payer for e and and said their services aren't really worth much, so we're going to use them instead. No. There is, you have to know what's billable versus what you can do that's not billable. Yeah. And just just keep those things in mind because if you don't have a policy on this, everybody's going to do something different, especially in a multi multiple physician practice. And I could see you getting into trouble or at least getting some requests for audit or refunds. Yeah. Listen,
1: I, I go back to what I what I said at the very beginning of this podcast. The insurance companies know what you're doing before you know what you're doing and to bill for things that are inclusive to the overall procedure that's being performed is highly problematic. So understand what the billing guidelines are for the various procedures that you are providing. Create effective policies and procedures so that your staff and those who may be interested in investigating your compliance activities understand what you're doing, but more importantly, make sure that when you write a policy, you actually share it with your staff. And finally, go ahead. if you're ever in doubt, reach out to Terry or myself. Send us a direct message. Ask us your questions. And we'll do our best to respond to you.
2: Well, and also, right, my friend. Sean, Sean mentioned yeah. the fact that he found a policy for United Healthcare. I find policies yeah. all the time. You have to really do your due diligence. Find what their policy is. And if you don't know it, Get, get in contact with them and get the policy. Medicare is easy to find, but just make sure yeah. you have it in writing when before you bring this to your physician. Never give them, you can't do this or we're going to start doing this without having something in writing explaining why. They don't like that and they, they're they not going to buy it. So make sure you go into, you know, this is the policy, this is the legal guidance, this is the regulatory guidance, and this is the insurance guidance so they understand what is and what isn't billable. It's really up to, to us, up to you to make sure you have that there. So.
1: Absolutely. All right. <clears throat> I never in my wildest dreams, when we talked about what this topic was going to be before we came onto the air, never in my wildest dream, uh, imagination, did I think we would get 25 minutes out of this topic. Oh, I knew we like would. We found it good topic (laughs) all right as always thank you so much to my very good friend terry fletcher out in california for taking time out of her very busy schedule to hang out with me here on the compliance guy uh podcast and to each and every single one of you who tunes in logs on and hangs out with us each and every single week we couldn't do it without you we appreciate you and we hope that you have a great rest of the week i'll be back a little bit later on this week with some more uh, podcasts with some really interesting guests this week. Uh, and I know that we have at least one daily dose lined up for you. So until then, be good to yourself. But more importantly, y'all be good to each other. Take care.
0: You've been listening to The Compliance Guy. Sean has been doing this for 28 years. He holds 10 national board certifications. He's a partner and the vice president of compliance for Doctors Management, LLC. He's a subject matter expert in federal court. He's lectured at the most prestigious institutions. He's engaged with members of Congress in both chambers. So what we're saying is he's qualified? We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, you can find us on social media at The Compliance Guy. See you next time on The Compliance
2: Guy.